Well, good morning, church. Happy New Year. Uh, my name is Adam, and I'm one of the pastors here at First Christian, and I'm excited to be with you today. I'm looking forward to our time together. Uh, the first week of the new year is just so, uh, in a lot of ways, is awesome. It's, it's full of so much, often, hope and expectation. Um, we're excited, maybe, for the things that are ahead, or maybe we're just hoping to experience some change in the year to come. And so, um, I recognize, though, that some of us uh, may still be coming down from uh, cheese and sugar comas, and you may not be quite sure what day it is. Um, it's Sunday, so good, you made it to the right place. Um, so we're going to start off, um, we're starting a new series today, and man, I'm just glad that I get to spend some time with you today. Um, there's one thing uh, that I'm pretty excited about that I want to share with you, and in, in a few short days, um, our team, our student ministry team, is going to be taking um, over 130 people uh, to Gatlinburg, Tennessee for this thing called the Tennessee Christian Teen Convention. Maybe you've heard about it in the announcements or something like that, or you've seen a little bit about it. Um, but this is a gathering of over 5,000 um, students and leaders from kind of the region, from Tennessee, um, Kentucky, Virginia, um, Ohio, all kinds, of, just kind of in our region. And um, it's always a really get great gathering for our students, and we always come home um, with, with students having some really good um, conversations about faith and life. And so um, if, if, if we come to mind this week, if, if those students come to mind this week, we'd really appreciate it if you would just pause and pray for them, because we're excited about what God can do um, during our time in Gatlinburg next weekend. And um, so today, uh, if this is the, your first time with us or if, you've, uh, if you haven't been with us in a little while, um, today is the perfect day to be back because we're starting a new series um, that we're calling First Things First. And uh, if you've been around for a little while, you may know that this is also the name of our welcome class. This is the class that we kind of encourage people to come to to learn a little bit more about FCC, to learn about um, the things that make uh, First Christian kind of special, um, the things that we're trying to accomplish, how we invest our time and our energy and who we want to be. And this class is kind of a crash course in everything kind of FCC. And so if you're interested in learning more about us, we encourage you to come to that class. It's also worth noting um, that we're going we're gonna to be talking about some of these things over the next few weeks, but we can't condense everything from that class into these messages. And so we'd love for you to join us in that class, whether you've been here for a few days or you've been here for decades. In fact, actually, uh, a few sessions ago, we had someone who's been a part of First Christian for a really long time, for decades, and has served all over our church um, come to, to First Things First to um, just be a warm, hospitable, welcoming presence, kind of a, a good face for our church. And she left uh, with so much more than that. As she left, she let us know she was so glad she joined us because she learned so much about our church um, that she maybe didn't know or some things, some foundational things about Christianity that she needed to be reminded of. And so we think that this class is so important that we're going to bring it to you um, over the next five weeks in all of our services. Uh, because we know, let's just be honest, we live in the South and Sunday lunch is real. Am I right? Like, I was thinking about how this conversation would go as I was preparing for today, and, and I thought about what it would look like for you or me to call my mom or, or my, my grandmother or my mother-in-law and say, hey, you know, um, I, I can't come to lunch today because we've got, I've got this class at church and uh, I know exactly what she'd say. She'd say, oh, that's precious, honey. I'll see you at 1 p.m. 
right? Like you're not getting out of that. Um, And so we wanted to bring the class to you. But of course, if you want kind of the full thing, um, we do have a class coming up on January 19th immediately following the 1110 service we'll have lunch so you can still get your Sunday lunch fix Um, we will have lunch together and we'll talk a little bit about some of the things that we're talking about during this series we always have a fun time together and that's the the perfect place to kind of start the conversation about how you fit in this community because there are all kinds of practical ways for you to get connected and so um, over the next five weeks we're going to be looking at a series of pictures if you will. Um, We're going to be looking at some things that kind of offer an image into the worldwide church, so Christians across the entire globe. Um, We're going to look at some pictures that show us how um, FCC kind of fits into the church worldwide. We're going to take a close-up look at some things that this community particularly feels called to and cares a whole lot about. We're going to flip the camera and take a look at what we believe about you and me and everyone who comes through our doors. And as we look at all of these things together, we're gonna consider what it might look like for us to partner together in the work that God is wanting to do in Johnson City and beyond. Um, Ethan will be back. He's going to lead us through the rest of this series. Uh, Johnson City Schools don't go back for a couple more days. And so Ethan and his family are trying to get a few days away um, before the new semester kicks off. And so today I have the opportunity about talking about, to talk about the big picture, the things that connect all Christians or most Christians together. And uh, a, a disclaimer, today's list isn't a definitive list. So we're not trying to make a statement to say that all of these, like these are the only things that connect all Christians together. We know there are some more things than this. This is just simply a list of a few things that kind of connect us together. And we care about these things because there are some things that just make Christians Christians. And those are my favorite things to talk about. I love being reminded of the things that connect us all together. But they're also the things that First Christian cares most about because our goal is to be uh, just a plain, simple church. And uh, Ethan's, we're, we are a part of a tradition, and Ethan's going to talk to you a little bit about that tradition, that movement um, in the coming weeks. And there are some things that we kind of, some things we try to do to be just a plain, simple church. But today we're going to look at kind of things that most Christians believe, uh, believe about God, believe about the Bible, and those other sorts of things. And I can't imagine a better way to start 2020 than by focusing on the things that make us similar. Because, like, what you find when you boil Christianity down to its core, the things that are kind of core to Christianity, what you find is that we have way more in common than we have that kind of, that makes us different from one another. And it's, in, it's important to remember these ideas because there are a lot of different ideas out there about what Christianity is about. And so some people associate Christianity with a certain political group or a particular set of ideas. Sometimes people associate Christianity with something they know some group of Christians somewhere is for, like something they support, or more often they know um, about like something that some Christians are against. And sometimes people associate Christianity with the negative experiences they've had with some Christians or what they hear about in the news or what they hear about on social media. But, all, but none of those things are the things that kind of connect us together. The things that connect all of us are actually a relatively short list. And those are the kinds of things 
that we're focused on. And so we really hope the things that we talk about today, we hope as we look at some passages together and we look at some ideas, um, we really hope that the God's spirit will kind of nudge you and kind of give you something to think about as we start this new year. And so the first thing, one of the first things that we talk about um, when we talk about what connects all Christians together is this idea that God loves the world and that includes everyone and that includes you. There's a passage that comes from the third chapter um, of the book of John, which is like the fourth book in the New Testament. And uh, this passage is kind of popular. If you grew up in church, you may have, like, had, you may have had to like, memorize this verse. Or um, if, you, if you didn't grow up in church, maybe you've seen people holding signs like at sporting events or concerts with this written on it. But it's this, John chapter 3, uh, verses 16 and 17 say, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And so we start here, we start with this foundational truth that God loves the whole world and everyone in it. Even with all of its messiness, even with all of its brokenness and all of its imperfections, God still chooses to love the world. And this is, this is great news, uh, especially like I think about this as some of the best news I know of in a world that uh, d- divides us in every way it kind of is imaginable. We find all kinds of ways to divide ourselves by everything from race and income to sexual orientation um, to political views, zip codes, and sports teams. Uh, there's just something about human nature that kind of breaks us up into different groups and kind of creates this us versus them mentality. But in the middle of this us versus them mentality, we want to be known, Christians want to be known as a people who are us for them, who don't see the people that are different than us as as people that we should be afraid of or scared of or that we should kind of separate off. No, we want to be known as a group of people who are for everyone. And it's hard to believe this sentence sometimes. It it creates different barriers for different ones of us. Um, Some people have a hard time believing that God loves them. And so we, maybe, we're, maybe you're sitting here today and, and you're thinking about the burdens that you brought with you, the things that you struggle with, the past that you have, and maybe you're thinking, man, there's something about me that disqualifies me from God's great love. And if that's you, I want to encourage you that that's not true. Our God deeply loves you, and there's a place for you in God's plans and purposes, regardless of how you feel about yourself in this moment. And others um, have a hard time believing that God loves everyone because it's messy, it's complicated, it's vague, it's gray to think about things this way. It's, it's hard to believe that God loves everyone, but the story of Scripture is consistent from beginning to end that God's redemptive love is for and available to every single person. And so for us as a church, we want to be a group of people who make it clear to every person who walks through our doors, regardless of any of the factors that normally divide us, we want to make it clear to every person who comes through our doors that we love them because our God loves them. God loves the entire world, and that includes everyone, and that includes you. Uh, The church believes that Jesus Christ is the one and only Son of God who died for our sins and rose from the dead. Writing to some young Christians in a place called Corinth, Paul says this, 
He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. This, this idea that Jesus Christ is the one and only Son of God who died for our sins and rose from the dead. That's what he's talking about. Which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and we know this guy by a little bit of a different name, uh, by the name of Peter, and then to the twelve, those closest to him. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also. And so as Christians, our faith, the central idea of our faith is not a philosophical idea. So it's not about kind of like achieving a certain goal or attaining oneness or something like that. No, our faith is rooted in a historical event. We as Christians really believe that a guy named Jesus lived on earth, died at the hands of the Roman Empire, and rose again. And through that act, declaring that he was and is the Son of God. This is the cornerstone of our faith. And Paul goes on a little bit later in that letter to the church in Corinth. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. So that word, um, I read it and I was like, I I can't just say that word nicely. Like you gotta, there's emphasis. It's futile, it's meaningless, it's hopeless. Um, You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Our faith hinges on the resurrection event because we believe that Jesus' resurrection paved the way for us to experience new life. Jesus Christ is the one and only Son of God who died for our sins and rose from the dead. And this next one you heard Paul reference a little bit in 1 Corinthians. He kept coming back to according to the scriptures, according to the scriptures. What you'll find um, during your time with us here, whether you're in one of our Sunday morning services or you're in in a class or a group or you're serving somewhere, there is something that we continually come back to as a group of people. There is a a resource, there's a guide that we continue to return to, and that resource is the Bible. Because we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And this guy that we've mentioned a couple other times, uh, Paul, this church planter and leader that's kind of helping the early church find their way, says this to his apprentice who's learning what it means to lead a community of believers. He says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so we believe that there's something special about this book we call the Bible. This passage says that this book is God-breathed, which means that God kind of gives life to these passages. We believe that there's something more to this book of the Bible than just the words that are printed on the page. We believe that God does something supernatural when we spend time in these words. God changes us, God refocuses us. Um, and in fact, if you came today, so if you, kind of, if you kind of walk through our doors today because you're just looking for something, you know you need something for 2020 to kind of make the changes you need to make or, or go in a different direction, I'm, kinda, I'm convinced that this may be the thing 
that you need because the scriptures don't just have a supernatural character about them. Paul also says they're useful, they're applicable, they're helpful. In the Bible, we can find advice that helps us live the best life possible. Um, Paul says that they're useful for teaching us. They teach us things we didn't already know. They call us out when we're living in direct opposition to God's plans and purposes. They correct us when we start moving in the wrong direction, and they train us in righteousness. They help us become more like Jesus. And so even if you're here today and you're unsure of this Jesus and God thing or any of the other stuff we're saying, I want to encourage you to check this book out because we believe this book has what you need we believe that this book has, um, can make your life better and make you better at life. And so if you're wondering how to manage conflict or, or relationships, you can turn to this book. If you're wondering how you should spend your money and your time in a meaningful way, you should check out this book. If you're wondering how to pol- participate in our political system while still holding Jesus as Lord, you can find guidance in this book. If you have questions about life that you haven't been able to find the answers to anywhere else, you can find them in this book. And if you're feeling hopeless about the state of the world, if you feel like our problems are just too big or we've gone too far, you can be reminded of God's good plans by looking at this book. And so, and so as you navigate 2020, The scriptures can be a guide that helps you answer some of life's most important questions because it's inspired and it's useful. The next thing, we believe that every person has worth as God's creation, but that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. If you spend any time with Christians at all, you'll know that we kind of consider ourselves hopeful people. But this hope isn't just an idealistic kind of pie-in-the-sky, rose-colored hope. We recognize that things aren't as they should be. But we believe that Christianity gets people right. We believe that every person has value because they are God's creation. But we don't believe that people are perfect or have to be perfect to be considered valuable. Because none of us are who we're supposed to be yet. In Romans, Paul says, this, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. We recognize as a, as a body of believers um, that our relationship with God is broken in a way that we can't fix. There aren't enough self-help books. There aren't enough podcasts. There aren't enough life coaches. There aren't enough goal setting. There's nothing that we can do that can reconnect us to a relationship with God. We we recognize that that only Jesus can bridge that gap. And so as a community, uh, we, we aren't going to write people off, but we will recognize that no one is perfect. And that makes us a little more gracious to one another as we strive to become more like Jesus. Which brings us to the next thing, that the church is the body of Christ on earth, empowered by the Holy Spirit and exists to be Christ's instrument to save the lost and to edify the saved. And so we believed, we believe that we are the physical expression of Jesus here and now. We believe that Jesus was here, that Jesus lived among us, and that Jesus will return in victory. Uh, But in the meantime, 
We are the ones who represent Jesus here on earth. But that's a big calling that we can't accomplish on our own. And so we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to give us what we need to live Jesus-shaped lives that kind of point other people back to God, the creator of the universe, the only one who can restore the world. In his letter to the church at Ephesus, Paul says this. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and then the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so we believe that God has got a place for everyone in God's plans, and our mission is twofold. The first is that we've got to share the good news, that we can be free from our sin and we can be connected to God again. We've got to share that good news with people who are far from God, whether they've never heard that message before or there have been barriers in their life that have kept them from receiving that message. We've got to share that good news. And at the same time, We've got to use what God has entrusted to us, our collective wisdom, our resources, our knowledge. We've got to use everything that's been entrusted to us to help one another to become like Jesus. And it's, it's super easy to choose one, one of the things or the other. It's easy to say, hey, you know what? We're going to focus only on sharing the gospel with people who haven't heard it before, or we're only going to be a place for people, kind of strengthening people who are already believers. But we believe the mission of the church includes both of those things, and we've got to find a way to hold those things in balance. Uh, Some would actually say that we actually can't do either of those things if we aren't doing both of them together. And so I like to think of it like this, and this might be helpful for you too. What we do here prepares us for what we'll do out there. In the context of this community, we're trained to be missionaries to the places where we live, work, and play. And so what we do here prepares us for the work that waits for us in the rest of our lives. And it's, it's like most things in our life. This isn't really different than a lot of other things. The work we do at practice, we practice the things that we'll do when it comes game time. Um, We rehearse what we'll do when it's showtime. Uh, The time we spend kind of training for the race is what prepares us for the race. Maybe you're better than me. I once tried to run a 5K without any training whatsoever. Uh, But you know you've got to train to run a race. And the work we put into the project prepares us for the time when the final proposal comes. The work we put in here each week, whether it's during our worship together, it's in a class or in a group or whatever that looks like for you, the work we put in here each week prepares us for the work that God has for us throughout the rest of our week. And Jesus hinged his plans on the church doing this very thing. And so we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to spread the good news and help one another become like Jesus. 
Uh, The next thing that we believe is that Jesus Christ will return to earth and reign forever as King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's, that's where we place our hope. We know that regardless of how bad things get or how hopeless things seem, we know a day is coming where Jesus is going to set everything right, where Jesus is going to return and reign in victory, and that we'll get to be a part of that. And uh, the, the, the letter to the to the Thessalonians. First Thessalonians is a great place to turn to, to read a little bit more about this, but um, we'll leave it with the fact that we have hope in the midst of the stuff of this life, because we know Jesus is going to come back and reign in victory, and the best part is that we'll get to experience that victory. We'll get to experience the renewed and restored world where Jesus reigns, because we believe that through Jesus, God wants to make us new and adopt us into God's family. Second Corinthians chapter five says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. And we talk a lot about God forgiving our sins, which that's true, God does do that. But when that's our primary focus, we miss out on the big thing that God is wanting to do in our lives. Because God's plans are bigger than simply not counting our sins against us. Though God does do that, God wants to do more than deliver us from punishment, God wants to adopt us into God's family. And God wants to restore the relationship and bridge the gap between us that only God can mend. And Paul is writing to the Galatians and he has this beautiful imagery. But when the time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. And I've read this passage a few times going through the book of Galatians, and I've always kind of glossed over it uh, because that word adoption, although it's a powerful word, it hasn't been a part of my story. And so it, it, it didn't have the same weight for me. But as I was preparing this week, this word means a lot more to me than it used to. And my wife and I, Allison and I, we have some friends um, who are preparing to adopt two children. And, uh, and so I started thinking about the, the idea of adoption through their eyes. And what is it going to be like for these kids when they're adopted? This is huge, right? This is a life-changing kind of awesome event. And from their perspective, this is huge. Because overnight, they're connected to a new family with a new story. And their story is being written and they now have a heritage and they're connected to a people and connected to traditions. And overnight, they're given a new home. They're given a new community of people that are for them and know them and love them and journey with them. And overnight, they're given a new future because suddenly they become the heir to their parents and everything that is their parents will become theirs. And the same thing is true for us as Jesus followers. When God welcomes us into God's family, we're saved from our sin and that relationship is restored. And when we're adopted into God's family, everything changes for us. We are given a new history. Our past becomes irrelevant as we're welcomed into this awesome story of God's redemption. We're given a new home where we're welcomed into this huge extended family that, that transcends borders and, and ge- geography. It connects us together. And these people come alongside us in our tough times as well as our good. And we're connected to one another on a more deep and meaningful level. We're given a new hope. 
Because regardless of the inheritance or the lack of, lack, lack thereof in some cases that we'll receive in this life, we know that a great inheritance waits for us in God's plans. Through Jesus, God wants to make us new and adopt us into God's family. So those are some things that connect Christians to one another. And uh, if you're checking this Jesus thing out, we hope that you'll go into this week knowing that there's a God who loves you deeply and wants to welcome you in to God's family. And if you've been on this journey for some time now, I really hope you'll go into the, into the week ahead encouraged and reminded of the fact that there are more things that connect us than divide us. Let me pray for you. Great God, help us enter this new year quietly and humbly, thoughtful of who we are to ourselves and who we are to others. May we be mindful that our steps make an impact and our words carry power. May we walk gently and speak only after we've listened well. God, help us enter this year recognizing that you've invited all people into your kingdom and given each person a purpose. May we regard the world with tenderness and honor rather than destruction. God, help us enter the new year joyfully, willing to laugh, dance, and dream, giving thanks for your abundant gifts and looking forward to the blessings to come. May we welcome your lavish love and may the grace and peace of Christ be our guide. Amen.